Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, February 6th, and today is National Chopsticks Day. National Lame Duck Day, of course, because we know what's happening in D.C. National Frozen Yogurt Day. And thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can use that little QR code up there in the top left corner of your screen to find out where we live on all of our social media spaces. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we have a lot of news to unpack today. We're going to start it off this morning with the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico Lamite. When he's not babysitting babies, you can find him babysitting grown-ass adults at TEDx conventions across the country. And oftentimes, maybe even babysitting Gretchen, too. That's right, is the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. My story today comes from... Forbes by Jackie Bryant, federal judge releases Luke Scarmazzo, who was imprisoned 14 years for running a medical marijuana dispensary. And um, some good news for a change. Big ups, uh, big ups to Luke, his family, and everybody involved there. <clears throat> so Luke Scarmazzo was believed to be the final federal prisoner locked up for a California medical cannabis surgeon was due to be released in 2027. He served 14 years of a 22-year federal sentence for operating a medical dispensary in California, but went home a free man this past Friday after winning his compassionate release case in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of California petition originally filed in 2019. If you put that screenshot up, please, Adam. So this is a post that, uh, um, that, that Luke put on um, online this past weekend. I'm going to read it for everybody that's in Clubhouse here. Today, after serving nearly 15 years in prison for operating a cannabis dispensary, I was granted my freedom. The feeling is surreal. We've worked towards this day for so long, and this was a huge victory for my family, friends, community, and the entire cannabis movement. I'll take a moment to enjoy this, but make no mistake, there's still much work to be done. My people need to be free, and that hard work begins now. It's big, big, big love. Big love to Luke in his family, friends, and everybody that was involved in, in the uh, movement for his release, too. So 
In the final days of the Trump administration, Scaramazza was told that he'd be pardoned and released, but at the last minute without explanation, the offer was rescinded. Back in 2004, Scaramazza and his business partner, Ricardo Montez, opened California Healthcare Collective, a medical dispensary in Modesto, California. Though CHC was legal under California Prop 215, covering medical cultivation, sales, and consumption, cannabis was still illegal under federal law. In 2006, the DEA raided the CHC, uh, raided CHC and arrested the owners. Both Scarmazzo and Montez were federally prosecuted on identical charges for manufacturing marijuana, possession without with intent to, con, uh, to distribute, and operating a continuing criminal enterprise, also known as the Kingpin Statute, which is typically applied to criminal and cartel organizations, carrying a mandatory minimum of 20 years imprisonment. Scarmazzo got 22. He petitioned uh, President Obama for uh, commutation in 2017, but he was denied. Per the article, advocates for Scaramazzo have since been working to secure his release, a chief of which being Alice Johnson, a criminal justice reform activist who received both a sentence commutation and pardon from President Trump, and Weldon Angelos, founder of advocacy group Mission Green. And Weldon, you on with us, brother? Me joining us yes, for sir. to say on this. What's happening, brother? Good to have you join us as always. And I just wanted to get a comment. Uh, what What is your reaction to uh, um, to Anthony's lease on Friday and, and and all the work that you put in and the work that's ahead of you? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I, I felt it coming, um, but we had a lot of disappointments along the way. As you mentioned, you know, I was told personally from White House officials. Uh, at the last few days of the Trump administration that Luke was getting clemency to go ahead and tell his family he was coming home. I emailed Luke and said he was coming home. I uh, called his family and said, you know, we're going to fly you out there to pick him up. And then an hour, I believe an hour before Trump released all the names on there, Luke was taken off at the last minute. Um, And so we had a lot of disappointments. You mentioned er uh, earlier also that we filed clemency under President Obama um, I helped write the petitions when I got out of prison. You know, we got it into the hands of Valerie Jarrett at the Obama administration and Obama granted Ricardo's that denied Luke's. So, you know, this is definitely a, a long time coming and, 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 and a, you know, a relief for not only myself and others, but for Luke and his family. That's the big ups to you, man. Thank you so much for uh, what you're doing over there. Mission Green. I'm helping out so many people. Um, what what's next on the docket, man? Uh, how's Anthony doing uh, with the fam, and um, and what can we be uh, what can we expect with, uh, from you guys next? So Luke, you know, he said he wanted to spend the weekend with his family, but after that, it's it, he's ready to go to work. He knows that there are other people. There's 2,700 people left in the federal prison system for cannabis related offenses, and there's at least one individual, I believe, out of Michigan that's also in there for medical cannabis. Um, that we're working on right now named Danny Trevino. Um, and he was following state law as well. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of work to do. We need to stay on Biden. You know, President Biden promised a lot of us that he was going to start releasing these people. Um, he has two years left in office and hasn't really done much. And so our next mission is to get back out there to D.C. and sit down with the president's team and try to get these people out. Uh, good luck. Good luck with that, man. I know it's hard. It's a tough battle, but you've been racking up the victories lately, man. And got nothing but love for you. Love, and uh, we've got nothing but love and respect for you, um, your family, and um, all the folks involved over that at, at, at over there at Mission Green, man. So definitely appreciate that. Appreciate you coming on the show with us today. So, Absolutely. 
Well, well, then is there anything that the people at home can do to help advance the efforts of Mission Green along and help uh, get all of these uh, cannabis prisoners back home to their families? Absolutely. I mean, first go to our website and sign up to be a, uh, you know, a supporter. Um, we can go to the weldonproject.org or projectmissiongreen.org, um, sign up for our email list. You can, you can donate. You can share our stories on, on social media. You can write your uh, member of Congress or your senator and let them know you support federal cannabis reform. And you can write the White House and urge the president to grant clemencies. Believe it or not, they read these letters. Um, you know, and right now, I think everyone we need everyone's help right now because, you know, President Biden has just under two years left in office. And, you know, there's two thousand seven hundred people that need to come home before he leaves. How many, Weldon? Two thousand seven hundred people left in federal prison. And, and what's unique about this is that most U.S. attorneys offices across the country aren't really picking up these cases anymore, only in a few districts. And so, you know, the federal government's not prosecuting cannabis cases anymore but these people are still left in prison with you know no avenue of relief other than a presidential commutation Mm -hmm. and well then can you explain why these people weren't covered by biden's pardons uh last year so yeah so we went to the white house in april we went to white house a couple times last year but in april we sat down with biden's top advisors and we submitted a plan that included pardons for people with these federal possession charges but it also was coupled with commutations and the white house decided to just do the pardons and not the commutations. And these pardons are just for people that were caught with a joint or caught smoking on federal land, whether it was a national park, a reservation or other federal land or in the district of Columbia. And so these are for, you know, just minor possession misdemeanor charges. And so it, it was more symbolic when they just did these pardons and did not let anyone out of prison. And so we were a bit disappointed when, when they decided to go that route. Um, but we, we're going back to the White House in March and, you know, we're hoping to, to make sure that the president understands this, that he promised to release people from prison, not, you know, pardon uh, misdemeanor offenses. While I'm happy for those people that got the pardon, it didn't do much. And so, you know, people that are in prison, they're suffering. They shouldn't be in there in the first place. Um, and we right. need to fight to get them home. Oh, yeah. 100% well done. Yes. As, a, as, a, as a girl dad myself, I can imagine having to go through it, uh, through what Luke Scarmazzo did, just trying to do the right thing and put food on his table, a grill up. So, yeah. What's interesting in Luke's case is that, you know, I actually, what was, because I, I was incarcerated in 2002 and I was given 55 years for $900 worth of cannabis. Luke ended up at the prison I was at in 2010 in Lompoc USP in Southern California. And, you know, I got to know him and, you know, we started working on our cases together for almost six years. And, you know, uh, Luke is part is just as responsible for his release as his amazing lawyer and his advocates because Luke and I, when we went to prison, we, we, we studied the law. We didn't just go there and just play dominoes and chess and watch TV. We actually buried ourselves in the law books. And we started learning how to get ourselves out of the situation. And so he was very instrumental in, in his own release as well. Yeah, definitely appreciate you, man. The work that you did, man. I just couldn't imagine having to do what you guys did. man. So big ups to y'all, man, for the, the strength to persevere through that, man. From all of us, we've been riding for you over here at High 9 News. And much love to you guys, man. Keep on doing what you do. We're going to keep on uh, supporting you and amplifying your message, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Without a doubt. Seriously.
Thank you. Yeah, well, then you're the man. We appreciate you, bro. So glad that I know you and uh, consider you a friend. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Yeah, thanks, man. Always. Yes, you're right, Adam. It is ad time. We got to run a quick commercial and we'll be right back with some more news for you. Oh, yeah. Definitely appreciate that, man. Great, great, great news to start the day off today, man. Big ups for Medical Mondays. Up next, if you ain't in Green Street smoking on the best weed in the world, he's probably drumming up some new excuses as to why he's yet to settle a months-old $200 bet with Gretchen Gailey. Coming up, you know who it is, the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer, the man himself, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you know what? Gretchen, she did a great thing. She mailed me a letter because she knew that there was no way that I was going to give her money unless I saw her in person. But just so everyone sees this, I have an envelope, self-addressed stamped envelope from Panoptic Strategies for Gretchen. And just so everyone sees, look at this. There's a crisp $100 bill in here for Gretchen. It's getting put into the letter and getting sealed and maybe possibly delivered, but not by me. Yeah, y'all can clap now, but we'll wait till it's actually in my hands. Well, Gretchen, I'm expecting you to make sure that you open this on air so everyone can see that it made it to your destination and arrived. And I'm not going to show them your address, but I know where you live. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, everybody. But to my, st my story today is a celebration story as well. Because they're, the ban on marijuana users owning guns is ruled unconstitutional, a U.S. judge says. That's right, you guys. A federal law prohibiting marijuana users from possessing firearms is unconstitutional, a federal judge in Oklahoma has concluded, citing last year's U.S. Supreme Court ruling as that significantly expanded gun rights. U.S. District Judge Patrick Wyrick, an appointee of former Republican President Donald J. Trump in Oklahoma City on Friday, dismissed an indictment against a man charged in August with violating that ban, saying it infringed his right to bear arms under the U.S. Constitution's Second Amendment. Wyrick said that while the government can protect the people from dangerous people possessing guns, it could not argue Jared Jared Harrison's a mere status as a user of marijuana justifies stripping him of his fundamental right to possess a firearm. He said using marijuana was, in quotes, not, not in and of itself a violent, forceful, or threatening act, and noted that Oklahoma is one of a number of states where the drug still is illegal under federal law and can be legally bought for medical uses. The mere use of marijuana carries none of the characteristics that the nation's history and tradition of firearms uh, regulation supporters, Wyrick wrote, and Laura Deskin, a public defender representing Harrison, said the ruling was a step in the right direction 
for a large number of Americans who deserve the right to bear arms and protect their homes just like any other American. She called marijuana the most commonly used drug illegal at the federal level. And she's right about that. The U.S. Department of Justice did not respond to a request for comment, but is likely to appeal the decision marked the latest instance of a court declaring a gun regulation unconstitutional after the U.S. Supreme Court 6-3 conservative majority in June ruled that the Second Amendment protects a person's right to carry a handgun in public for self-defense. That ruling New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin uh, announced a new test for assessing firearms laws, saying restrictions must be consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. On Thursday, the New Orleans-based Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals cited that decision in declaring unconstitutional a law barring people from domestic violence uh, restraining orders from uh, owning firearms. So this is a huge, huge victory to uh, gun rights activists, to all Americans overall. We now can possess guns and still smoke some cannabis without fear of the federal government intervening. This is Jason Beck reporting for High at Nine News. What do y'all have to say about this? If I followed laws I, I, I found, you know, amoral didn't agree with, this would matter. <laughs> yeah, right. that, that's not the point. That's cute. That's real cute, Matthew. Real cute. Well, real and Jason, cute. you may it's be overstating it a bit that now everyone can buy guns and buy their pot. That's not how this works. Just because one guy oh, won his case does not make it all of a sudden legal. All sure. I'm saying is that, is that this, this, this is going to have a, that one of those rippling effects across the country. And you know what? I hope someone tries, some liberal judge tries to challenge this and pushes it to the Supreme Court because then the Supreme Court will ultimately vote in the same way that the, that the judge in Oklahoma wrote. And therefore, all Americans will definitely have their Second Amendment rights. Yep. Every single one of them. That's right. Every single one. Pow, 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 Gretchen. Pew, 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 pew. I, I I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the man's ruling. I, I say good job. Good for him. But is it going to have this major rippling effect where gun shops are going to throw out all their uh, ATF, whatever applications you got to put in and say, no, you don't have to answer that question anymore. All this shit's legal. No, that's not going to happen. So stop pretending that it is. I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think that the that the gun stores are going to throw out the, the the things because they still have stacks of these things and they still got to use them. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's that big of a deal anymore. And I, I want to see if someone goes to there and actually checks the box and says, "Oh, because of this, uh, I, I can check this box, and you can't deny me." Well, hopefully that that may happen in the state of Oklahoma. I don't think it's going to happen. Oklahoma has the best gun rights for cannabis users. In the, all in we the really nation. need is, is cases that set precedent, right? It's the same thing mm -hmm. as about women who are pregnant being able to utilize mm -hmm. cannabis during their pregnancy as long as they're underneath a doctor's care. Like at the end of the day, we're all adults. We should be intellectually bright enough to be able to manage ourselves in a respectable and 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 you know safe manner and i mean fucking everybody should be able to have a gun if they want one protect yourself i mean i i can't i can't wait to see every cannabis owner or smoker or user or whatever should be able to legally obtain a gun just like everybody else can straight up i can't i cannot wait for the first cannabis event at a gun range Yes. I'll probably be throwing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, Weldon, are you still with us in Clubhouse, Weldon? 
are you still with us, Weldon? I would love to hear what Weldon has to say about this, especially since he was convicted of of having a firearm in conjunction with a cannabis case. Because I'm wondering how many people um, that this case will actually affect them legally in regards to they were caught with cannabis and a firearm and how many of those types of cases are going to get overturned because of this judge's ruling. That's not how the legal system that's, works. No, Jason yeah, because it's that's a that's an enhancement for committing a felony or a misdemeanor. So it doesn't matter what drug you're caught with. If you get convicted of of a felony or misdemeanor, they can add a gun enhancement if they choose to. I mean, yeah, but like I don't think I don't think they can enhance gun enhancement. You don't understand this either. Was, yeah, no, 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 I don't. I don't. No, I don't. I don't. I don't buy that. I, if you have a good enough lawyer, I'm not buying that. Okay. Excellent. Then you give it give it a try, Jason. Let us know how this works out. I mean, I'm not trying to go and get arrested anytime soon. You want to go rob a pizza place, bro? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about that type of crime. I'm talking about if your house is raided, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. and you find you get a raided, you get raided for weed or raided right. for whatever. Right. Okay, let's just let's just say you get raided for weed in your house, okay. Sure. okay, and you have a firearm in your house. Yep. Now they can't use that as an extra enhancement now due to this case. That's what I'm Bullshit. saying. No, absolutely no. not. If the you get raided with like, if you get raided with like a case, if you get like a thousand, you've got a thousand pounds in the living room and an AK, you're you're in trouble with a felony enhancement. It's not about what if it's registered drug. to you. It's oh my not, god, it, Jason. What they're saying is, if, if you, you use medical marijuana, arrested. you can have access to legally buying a gun. Separately, is if you are caught in the commission of a crime and if you are convicted of the crime, not if you're charged. If you're convicted of the crime, they can then add a penalty enhancement. For a lot of different things, firearms being one of them. And I know because my friend got caught with a medical garden and and he ended up actually getting everything almost dropped and they used the guns as leverage. I understand that. But that was before this ruling, Matthew. Jason, the ruling is not it's not not how the legal system works. This ruling is a big deal. You guys are trying to downplay it. You're out of your mind. I suggest we get uh, an attorney on the uh, call Omar Figueroa. We, we, can't, we, we, we can't bother Omar. It's his birthday today. Everyone make sure you wish oh, Omar Figueroa happy yeah, birthday. birthday today. Omar. Yes. We can't we can't apparently uh, bother you either with a civics class. This is not how the legal system works. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Ah, ah, hold on. Ah. Hold on a sec. Hold on. I'm on, be- I'm on the phone with my attorney. He says I'm right. Thank you. I bet. Because <laughs> there is precedent does not change the law. You have to change a law. Judges. This is your favorite thing as a Republican. Judges can't make laws. Do you remember that? I do. I, I, I believe that. I believe I, I'm, I'm with that. But at the same time, what you guys are missing what I'm saying. No, I I'm not exactly saying that the law has changed. I'm not saying that the law has changed. I'm saying I'm saying that because of this of this ruling, you're not going to see any more of these cases in court. Not true. Yeah. I don't believe the, that for a second. The firearm I don't know. Answer, I, the firearm I think that's what we need. We're on track. To be crime. honest, we need more of these cases using. to keep setting more and more precedent. We need to keep fighting this. So uh, I hope that people no. do. Can we, can we show off our guns on the show, Jason? Yeah, show off your guns. I would love show to see a guns. gun show, Jason Beck. Let's see a yeah. gun show. Yes. Come on. I'm give, with me it. That, give me that gun. I'm with it. I'm with Let's it. compare that's your what... guns to Rico's guns. I bet the most peaceful guns girl. firearms. What you said? What peaceful hippie has the most firearms? I said I bet the most peaceful hippie on the show has the most firearms. The most? I mean, I mean, fi- just because you have firearms doesn't mean doesn't mean you're a violent person. It just means you want to be able to protect yourself in the event of something crazy happening. Yes, sir. Or you could, or, or you just might really enjoy the craftsmanship, the American craftsmanship. Oh, I just like to take them apart and put them back together. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like the, the the beauty of a ghost gun. Yep. <laughs> Oh man! You know, like, like I said, like I said, I just can't wait for the first cannabis event that's at a gun range. Dude, should they have an impaired? Yeah. 
an impaired uh, 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 section. Um, what are, I think they're gonna. I think they'll call it up range. I think they'll. I think they'll call it up in smoke. Up in smoke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Way to bring it back. Way to bring that, it back. I try. I try. Well, coming up next, she's a political strategist by day. And a baker by night. She's also a true female multitask her who can not only bake up a storm, but also knows how to make the sausage on Capitol Hill. She's the founder of Panoptic Panoptic Strategies, and she is about to be a hundred dollars richer once the postal man delivers to her door. It is Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline is coming from Politico, uh, and the headline is Pot is making people sick. Congress is playing catch up. Uh, this is a fairly long article, and so I'm going to jump around in it. Uh, when Gallup asked about legalizing weed last year, two thirds of Americans supported it, up from 12% when the pollster first asked in 1969. Recognition of marijuana's medical benefits, the harms of punitive drug policies, and the prospect of new tax revenue to fund popular services have driven that change in attitudes and led 21 states to legalize recreational sales. But the policymakers overseeing legalization were flying surprisingly blind about its effect on public health. Only recently has the steady flow of data emerged on health impacts, including emphysema in smokers and learning delays in adolescents. Lawmakers' reaction to the bad news raises the prospect that the loosely regulated marijuana marketplace, worth $13.2 billion last year and growing 15% annually, could come under pressure. Even some of those most supportive of legalization, such as the co-chairs of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, Representatives Earl Blumenauer and Dave Joyce of Ohio, are calling for more regulation and better oversight. One of the reasons I have fought so hard to be able to legalize, regulate, and tax is because I want to keep this out of the hands of young people. It has proven negative consequences for the developing mind. That's according to Earl Blumenauer, Capitol Hill's unofficial cannabis czar. Last year, he and Joyce teamed up on legislation since enacted to ease federal restrictions on research in cannabis for medical purposes and ongoing marijuana for research that could significantly improve understanding of the drug. Now, with public opinion turning pro-legalization, 21 states have moved to permit its use for medical reasons or for recreation. A further 16 allowed medical marijuana. And marijuana use is becoming much more common. On the current trajectory tracked by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, more Americans will use marijuana in 2030 than use tobacco products. Nearly 50 million use weed in 2020, according to SAMHSA's National Survey of Drug Use and Health, an increase of nearly 75% since 2009. Researchers are only beginning to examine the data on how this massive increase in use is affecting both public health. As states have opened up cannabis laws, pediatric edible poisonings in the U.S. have grown from 207 in 2017 to 3,054 in 2021, according to federal data. And states legalizing cannabis like Colorado have seen a bigger increase in hospitalizations and poison control visits than other states. Pre-proof research from late December found that legalization of cannabis for recreational use could be contributing to an increase in asthma among teens. The researchers found that 2011 to 2019, teenagers in states that legalized recreational cannabis saw a slight uptick in asthma rates in kids ages 12 to 17, compared with states in which cannabis remained illegal. The team from the City University of New York, Columbia University, the University of California, San Diego, and others also found an increase in asthma among children in some racial and ethnic groups. 
Renee Goodwin, an adjunct associate professor at Columbian's Mailman School of Public Health, said it could be a sign of the downstream effects of legalization. Parents could be smoking more in the home, exposing kids to secondhand smoke. You've got these sweeping, very rapid changes in policy, and there's no science to inform them. Ideally, there would be at least accompanying clinical guidelines for clinicians to advise parents. The mental health impacts of cannabis aren't clear yet either, though some studies have limited it to increased risk of depression and suicide. Uh, according to Leanna Wen, George Washington University public health professor uh, and former Baltimore health commissioner, she said, we really have to slow down. We're getting so far ahead of where the research is. In a Washington Post column last year, uh, she said abundant research that she said demonstrated how exposure to marijuana during childhood impacts later cognitive ability, including memory, attention, motivation, and learning. Research published last month also found that pediatric poisonings were much higher in Canadian provinces where edible are, sales are legal compared with the province that barred edibles. Canada's rise came in spite of child resistance packaging and THC content restrictions, said Daniel Merwin, leader authoring leading author of the study and fellow at the Ottawa Hospital Research Institute. It suggests that if you put cannabis into candy or chocolate, you're going to see an increase in these poisonings. It's a question for regulators. Do you really need this product form? Can adult consumers get the choice and the option to purchase a legal cannabis product that doesn't have to appeal this strongly to young kids? And David Jernigan, professor of health law policy and management at Boston University, said we are in a massive natural experiment. Are we learning the lessons from alcohol, tobacco and other drugs when we go to regulate cannabis? Absolutely not. Uh, my concern with this article, and I don't disagree with it, uh, is that, frankly, this is what lawmakers are reading in Washington. They are seeing tons and tons of research. And that's all these guys care about when they are starting to make their policy is research. And all we are sharing with them is negative research. I would love to see people sharing stuff on how opioids go down in states where it's medically legal. I would love for them to talk about more about epilepsy and the things that we're seeing in advances there. We really have to be out there educating folks because if we aren't, then journalists and negative uh, headlines are the only thing that's going to dictate how regulations come about. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. Word to that. This is this yeah. is a lot um, a lot more chivalry for madness in a lot of ways. I, I'll say I agree that people shouldn't be smoking cannabis until their brain is formed. I tell my kids, wait till you have a college degree, like get a bachelor's degree in science, get something that's actionable in your life. There's so much time to smoke weed and I have better weed than anybody and I'll give it to you for free. But I want to rewind back to the one of the first things they're talking about uh, uh, children of color and in urban areas and poor having higher rates of asthma because of weed legalization. That's total bullshit. Um, people of color, children in urban areas have, had, have have suffered from hugely higher rates of asthma since at least the 60s. One of the biggest reasons for the Clean Air Act in California was was the detrimental effect on on, on low income youth in Los Angeles and, and the Sacramento Bay from smog, from leaded gasoline, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, right. Correlation is not causation. And it's so easy to be these people who make tons of money and live in gated communities and say, once again, weed is the demon. It's given all these kids asthma. And it's not my friends who run the the oil refinery. It's not my friends who run the who sell who own the car dealerships, et cetera. And or as an dumps. example, say I the have asthma dumps. from having black mold in my house. I cannot drink alcohol. If I drink more than a drink a month, I start having asthma attacks on the weekly. I'm like, I'm an Emerald Cup cannabis judge. I smoke weed for 10 hours a day. Not a single asthma attack. I'm all good. So I'll hand it over to everybody else here. Uh, you, what about you, what about when you smoke the booth, the booth entries? I use a two chamber bong for our first round so that I protect myself, bro. 
<laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of this, and I think this kind of goes to the point of what Gretchen was talking about on Friday, the fact that we need to be putting out more stories by doctors that combat this type of narrative. Because when I actually found Great. this story um, today, it was it was actually from uh, Senator John Cornyn's uh, Twitter page is where I originally found this story. But we do have Dr. Felicia up in the clubhouse audience uh, to speak on this. What do you have to say on this, Dr. Felicia? Hey, everybody. I'm so disturbed by this article because the quote unquote research that gets the that seems to make it to the lay press is always negative. There's been an explosion of negative cannabis and pregnancy and negative um, effects on children, adolescents in the last two years. It's just been uh, an explosion. And, you know, there's increase in driving under the influence. That's, that's, that reflects on the states not putting out public service announcements in advance of them, you know, rolling out product. I mean, they seem to be more intent on getting the tax dollars and the press than preparing their public about, you know, informing their public about driving under the influence, edibles, seniors needing to be more cautious, keeping the product out of the hands of children, not smoking around children, those kind of things. Um, and, you know, the, it, the thing about the adolescent cognition situation, there's so much research coming out in other uh, areas about how, how maternal stress, depression, anxiety, trauma affects the children's ability to learn when, once they get here. What's happening to the mom gets encoded on the baby's DNA and they're, they're affected. And I agree with uh, St. Germain about the environmental toxins. I mean, people of color are always, you have the factories and dump, you know, water, poison water from concentrated animal feeding operations in their neighborhoods. And that's why their health is so much, so much worse. So yeah, we do need to do a better job of getting better research, but unfortunately the, the press is controlled by just about five or six entities and the, it seems like there's a there is reefer madness going on, and for whoever is trying to keep cannabis illegal, they're doing a good job of putting out just the bad research, and cannabis does not cause emphysema. Cannabis does not cause emphysema. I, oh man, that's a soundbite right there. Also, Thank linguistically so in the story, anybody yeah. notice how they called anyone accidentally eating a gummy a poisoning? I mean, maybe that's just from bad distillate, though. Matthew. No, no, it's 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 linguistic. It's rhetoric in order to slant the story and to uh, plant an emotion in your mind. If I call well, something that's totally beneficial and it cannot actually harm you a poisoning, I'm alluding to the fact that it's toxic and, and therefore far more dangerous than it is. If I say if I call it an actual accidental ingestion or something like that, that I'm actually talking about the truth, right? Like if a kid drinks a beer, is that a poisoning? Do, have they now suffered an alcohol poisoning? Alcohol incident? poisoning. No. You have alcohol poisoning if you have alcohol poisoning and you're sick and you're throwing up bile and you're dying. That's how you have alcohol poisoning. I think I think it doesn't it doesn't help that all these folks that are um, in, especially in the new emerging market states are calling poison control as soon as they find out that their kids have ingested anything. Uh, I mean, Ma Mandy, you're you're the parent parents one of the parents in the room. What do you have to say about this? Uh, I think you're on mute. I think you're on mute. We can't hear. Her. Yeah, we can't hear you. We can't hear you, Mandy. What is going on, girl? So, all right, then I have a question for Rico. If your daughter you sounds got so into good, a bag Gretchen. of edibles, well, thank you. Yes. Oh, that's the sure SM7B. Good job. You yeah. would not just jump on and call poison control? That would not be a concern for you. No. Huh? It would be a concern. No, no way. 
It would be a concern. No that, that wouldn't be my first move. Hell no. Why would I call I put, I put my people? kid on the couch. I'd make them some popcorn. I'd get a movie on for them. I'd dim the lights. I'd get their favorite yeah. blanket. I'd you tell them that they were going to in for an experience, and we would discuss it after the fact. Yeah, that would, that would not be the last thing you're going to do to anybody who's on a psychedelic no. intoxication is freak them out, right? Like, yeah. I do the same thing for my kid or someone else's kid. I do for my friend. Oh shit! I just accidentally ate like ten heads of acid. I'm not going to be like, oh shit, you're fucked. Because now they, yeah, yeah that, that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, go ahead, Mandy. Go ahead, Mandy. When someone's dying, no one's dying. Yeah, if they're poisoned. Yeah, they, they've had too much THC, just the psychoactive compound. And also, I think it was Jason Pinsky who said in the chat here that like maybe the psychoactive compounds are not okay for young kids, but there is plenty in this plant that is very okay for young kids. And secondarily, as a mom of a 16 and a half year old boy. We had literally this conversation last night. I have never, never once seen or noticed anything in my stash going missing, but my son definitely accesses cannabis and the stuff that he gets is not from me. It's not anything that I have in my house. And so the illicit market, I have to, I have to question whether these kids are getting overly intoxicated or poisoned yeah. by cannabis that, that is coming from places that are not regulated. And last but not least, we just had a study, I think it was maybe one or two weeks ago on one of these episodes, where we talked about the fact that cannabis is a bronchiodilator and actually helps people with asthma. So... I just, I don't know. I, and I, and also very last thought that comes to mind is, again, I've been saying that marketing and PR firms really should be leading the charge in educating the government, really. Because every single brand does their best to do it, but this fucking survival out here as a company is brutal as shit. And so we need these marketing companies, and these PR folks who have access to all of these journalists, who have access to all of the outward facing media, to build their own campaign and help us because at the end of the day, you help us, it's going to help you. And and we need those governments too to employ some um, effective marketing campaigns. I know we were talking a little bit about what New York had said that they were going to do. Uh, Jason, tell me, um, have you seen any of the efforts of the $11 million that was supposed to go to cannabis education in California over the past year? I mean, I'm still waiting to see a commercial um, on so any channel. Something. I mean, because I've seen I saw these in the beginning of legalization in Colorado, and I thought that they were really cool. They were public service commercials that were like, hey, don't fucking smoke weed in parks. Don't give weed to kids. Da -da 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 -da. Like basic common sense things that I don't think you necessarily need to see tell people. But apparently you do. So in regards with that, I've never seen a commercial in California um, sponsored by the Department of Public Health saying, hey, don't uh, don't. Um, don't don't buy shady edibles. You know what I'm saying? Don't well, don't give weed to kids. Don't smoke weed in parks. N none of this. I'll, none I'll of it. You I'll know what the state right of now. California does? Hold on. You know what the state okay. of California does? They give dispensaries a QR code to post in their window so people can see that it's a it's a it's it's a regulated shop. No one cares about your QR code. And what are, no what one are the no one that's salaries? looking cares. What are the salaries paid for the people that are supposed to be putting out this shit? That's what I'd like to know. Is there salary reports? Because everybody needs a job, Rico. There's a big difference between poisoning and intoxication. hundred well, percent. Wait, wait, I got point, a commercial Andy. for you guys. I got a commercial well, for you guys. All right, hold on. Well, hold your horses. Go. I'd like to hold say on. one last. Saint Germain. I go for you. it. I would just say when I'm talking about kids, I'm not talking about a 16 year old stealing your stash. I'm talking about a three year old, four year old thinking they're eating candy. 
Um, okay. Again, it's the same thing. It's edible. They're going to be fine. They're not poisoned. If, okay. if that were to happen. They're high, and they're going to go through it, and it's going to exit their system, and they're not in danger of dying. Mandy, yeah, and that could be included in public service announcements also. That that, yes. that that little piece could be put in public service announcements yes. also. A hundred percent. What if to do if happen, your child uh, accidentally takes cannabis or THC, specifically THC? It should say that molecule specifically. Gretchen, if that were to happen in my house, it, number one, it wouldn't happen because all my shit is locked up um, and I don't really have edibles uh, available at my crib. But if it were to happen at my house, Poison control would be the last thing. That would be the last thing on yep. on my mind on, on things, the steps that I would take. And hold on a second. Who has trained poison control to be like the go-to for this type of thing? Like no, no poison control. There's no no new new program that poison controls had to go through um, in order to to have this position in regards with cannabis. Now that cannabis has been legalized, that's total it's, BS. It's not a poison. I mean, I suppose if you want. The biggest and most stupid hospital bill ever. Go there when your kids had THC. It's yeah, if like you have insurance, money ever. If you have really good insurance. Yeah, I, also, and I think I think it's, it's silly of us to believe that people know exactly what to do. And I'm sorry if I found my child sick and I didn't know what was going on and thought I that they ingested a whole bag of something. <laughs> call me first if you're even, 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 even if they had a whole bag, they'd still be fine. Even if they had a whole bag, they'd still be fine, Gretchen. Very last thing, if you've ever had too much THC, guess what? You can take some CBD. It will help balance you out. And also just well, eat I've and never had that trouble. And go to sleep. Go to sleep. Gretchen said weed doesn't get her high. It doesn't. It doesn't. And it doesn't. Acid will. Doesn't work on my mother either. So. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Let me do my Ass commercial real quick. God damn it. Go, Let me go, go ahead. All right, hurry up. Hurry up, Matthew. Hi, everybody. I'm Matthew St. Germain, Emerald Cup judge. Have you ever eaten a weed brownie or maybe someone you loved it and they thought they were dying? Well, they're not. Contact me at the what's good email at gmail.com and I'll talk you through it. Thanks a lot. Oh, man. Maybe we should start a 900 number for that, Matthew. We should start a 900 number for that. I'd get it by the third. I'm good on the third take. So I'll do two more takes and then send you a video. How how much per minute? How much per minute? $1.99 for the first minute, 99 cents after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get a 900 number. I'll trade for for Hedy's, though. I will trade for Hedy's or really good hash. That is a bargain. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Oh, man. Oh, you guys guys are something else. Something else. Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX. Located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you like to get high at nine for 10% off your full order. The thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown on high at nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person, this show is probably not for you. And maybe you should eat more edibles and call poison control.
yeah, just bouncing my head, man. To that yeah. shit. Yeah. I feel like I'm watching a Bruce Lee movie every time I hear all that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. 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 This Satown based Emerald Cup edibles judge and crusader for female entrepreneurship is known for blazing trails at and do be like at Kamiya, Canagram, Canamami.org, and the Women's Can Awards competition. Y'all know who's coming up next. It is Mandy Tingler. Hello, friends. Good morning. Today, we've got a naughty, naughty law enforcement officer to talk about. The article comes to us out of Pennsylvania, and the headline reads, Pennsylvania police chief is arrested and charged for being a drug dealer. Mm-hmm-hmm. The chief of the Greensburg Police Department in Pennsylvania has been arrested and charged for his role in orchestrating a series of drug deals, according to CBS News. Sean Denning, 41, is facing six federal criminal charges. Court documents say he's interacted with confidential informants in 2021 who was working with the DEA as a part of an investigation. Denning would obtain the drugs and then give them to the informant to distribute. Authorities say some drugs were sourced in California and Arizona and then delivered to the informant through the mail. From... Uh, in a statement, Greensburg Mayor Robert Bell announced that Mr. Denning is no longer with the city of Greensburg. Captain Donald Sarsford said that the acting he was acting chief under until further notice. We are conducting a thorough review and assist appropriate agencies as we can. There will be no further comment at this time, Bell said. Denning was charged with two counts of aiding and abetting the distribution of cocaine, two counts of aiding and abetting the distribution of methamphetamine, one count of aiding and abetting the attempted distribution of methamphetamine, and one count of conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute drugs. He faces a maximum of 10 years in prison and a $1 million fine. Now, this is a super short article, you guys, but I find it really interesting to talk about the penalties associated with these known drugs, which have proven to kill people in overdose situations. And then we have our dear friend Luke, who jot out of jail after how many years was it? Let's give this a chat. This is Mandy from High at Nine. Oh, yeah, man. I love a good story like this, Mandy. You know, the cops playing both sides of the fence, clocking them dollars and getting that overtime all the time while they're selling trap weed. And only a maximum of 10 years for methamphetamines. And he's a cop. There should be an extra penalty for doing this as a cop. Yes. Because you know yeah. he's been out there arresting people for doing the same thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's very, very hypocritical. And I think, um, I, th- I think Gretchen has something to say about this too, because uh, that is where she's. That's like from her hood, like her neighboring neighboring city. Greensburg is close to Pittsburgh. Uh, uh-huh. It is where See? my mother grew up and went to high school. But I do not know Sean Denning. Thank you. Did your Does your mom know Sean Denning? She does not. He would be way too young for her. Oh, okay. All right. Dude, yeah, cop, yeah, muscles coming out of his head too, man. Looks like he just—he's ready to beat down somebody if they don't buy weed from him. Exactly. I can appreciate I mean, I, if they actually call this a drug deal, though. Like, right? The definition's right this time. Hold on, but did, didn't it say in the article that like he was selling selling weed on Telegram and on all the little different uh, trap service device apps? I didn't see that in this article. It did not say anything about cannabis, actually. Interesting. I think there was something about that. Um, but who who knows? You'll never know. Never. What's that? 
Cap knows. What's up, man? Yes. Matthew Zuckerberg knows. <laughs> All those people know. But they um, you know, this this stuff with, with cops, I mean, you just think you just think like so he's selling the drugs and arresting people for the drugs. So he already knows who to arrest. And yep. I bet you he doesn't arrest his, his biggest clients. He just arrests his, uh, his you know, his, his little five and ten bag clients. You know what I mean? And then like, hey, you know, whoop-de-whoop, you guys will be fine. Da-da-da-da-da. Pay your fines. Do your time. You'll be all right. Hell yeah. Everybody buying on credit. <laughs> they ain't paying them bills quick enough. You know what? This guy's coming to collect. I mean, that's the drug dealer's problem if he's selling on credit. Forget it. Mm-hmm. It's a bad way to do business, bro. I got a master's degree from Don't Front Weed University, dude. I get it. Yeah, I used to. I used to say in San Francisco that the only shops that do fronts is on Front Street because there actually is a Front Street in San Francisco. Mm. So mm. poetic, Jason. You're so fucking poetic. Sometimes we try. We try. I swear. I swear. We try. Let's keep them. Oh yeah, run that ad, Adam. Keeping it going. You want to grow some of the best weed in the world? Then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sh to see why our terps don't lie. Oh, yeah. Coming up next. That's right. We have the man, the myth, the eternal Matthew St. Germain. Matthew St. Germain is a cannabis wizard who's doing his damnedest to continue the work of the merry pranksters in the brotherhood of eternal love. He's been in the game so long because he is the immortal count himself, the Transylvanian man. That's right. It's Matthew St. Germain. Thanks, Brother Jason. Happy Monday, everybody. I've got more great psychedelic news. UC Davis is launching an institute for psychedelics and neurotherapeutics. The University of California, Davis, announced this week that is launching a new institute that aims to advance basic knowledge about the mechanisms of psychedelics and translate it into safe and effective treatments for diseases such as depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, addiction, Alzheimer's disease, and Parkinson's disease, among others. Called the Institute for Psychedelics and Neurotherapeutics, it will bring together scientists across a range of disciplines and partner with the pharmaceutical industry to ensure that key discoveries lead to new medicines for patients. The university said in the announcement, adding that the institute was specifically designed to facilitate collaborations across campus. The institute will be funded in part by a contribution of $5 million from the deans of the College of Letters and Science of the School of Medicine. While other psychedelic science centers have been formed across the country with gifts from philanthropists, the UC Davis Institute is notable for also being supported by substantial university funds, which is a first, the university said. The university said that another unique feature of the UC Davis Institute will be its focus on chemistry and the development of novel neurotherapeutics, which means therapies for brain-related uh, issues. David E. Olson, an associate professor in the Department of Chemistry and the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Medicine at UC Davis, has been tapped to serve as the founding director of the new institute. Psychedelics have a lot of therapeutic potential. But we can do better, said Olson, whose group published a paper three years ago describing the first non-hallucinogenic analog of a psychedelic compound, K2, 
capable of promoting neuroplasticity and producing antidepressant and anti-addictive effects in preclinical models, according to the university. In Olson's view, the university said novel molecules tailored to specific disease indications could offer substantial benefits and open doors to partnerships with industry by solving many issues currently faced by traditional psychedelics related to safety, scalability, and intellectual property. Psychedelics have a unique ability to produce long-lasting changes in the brain that are relevant to treating numerous conditions, said Olson. If we can harness those beneficial properties while engineering molecules that are safer and more scalable, we can help a lot of people. Uh, Neuronal atrophy is a key factor underlying many diseases, and the ability of psychedelics to promote the growth of neurons and new connections in the brains could have broad therapeutic implications, Gray said. The university, uh, university stated the Institute will leverage the extraordinary breadth of expertise in the neuroscience community at UC Davis, which includes nearly 300 faculty members in centers, institutes, and departments across the Davis and Sacramento campuses, and that researchers will be able to work on every aspect of psychedelic science from molecules and cells through to human clinical trials. Combining the considerable expertise of UC Davis's pioneering basic research teams, world-class neuroscientists, and our nationally recognized medical center is a formula for success that we will trust will result in groundbreaking discoveries that will help patients regionally and worldwide. Susan Murin, dean of the School of Medicine, said in the announcement this week. And uh, so for me, this is a good movement in a lot uh, of directions for the destigmatization and the current application of science and medicine to psychedelics. Um, there's always a little worry about uh, those those talks for uh, intellectual property, which means patentable medicines instead of medicines that can be shared freely amongst humanity. But once again, just like with cannabis, mushrooms and all this stuff is w- we can literally ignore the government and grow these uh, living organisms that grow from the planet for our benefit. Uh, the further destigmatization will lead to further use by by people. And I think that's going to be a benefit to our communities. And I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to add to this conversation. This is St. Germain for Monday. There's big ups to UC Davis. They're always at the front, at the forefront of uh, cannabis, psychedelic uh, research and putting it out there too. not just doing the, the studies and everything behind closed doors, but also putting their research out for the people to absorb as well. I mean, we have Dr. Felicia, do you have any thoughts on this? I see you're still in Clubhouse. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts in regard to this, Dr. No, I'm I, I mean, I'm, I'm all happy about it, but um, no, I don't have any additional comments about it. All right. All right. I mean, this is this is a great thing overall. UC Davis is definitely um, rocking this. I mean, they they've done a lot of interesting research over the years. And I'm really interested. Can can Matthew St. Germain, can you go into that funding component that you mentioned? You said you said they're also private, private funded. And do we know how much of this study? No, no, they private. No, no, this was uh, uh, the five million dollars was from the deans of the College of Letters and Science in the School of Medicine, which are departments of UC Davis. So this right. represents um, the, the controlling faculty of particular departments uh, supporting the program with money. The really cool thing I'd like to mention about UC Davis, and they kind of highlighted in the article is UC Davis has a psychology department. They have a chemistry department. They have a molecular biology uh, department. And so what they're, they're the saying is they can school too. Yes. So what they're saying is they can go they could ba- literally grow mushrooms, um, mm-hmm. grow ergotamine, uh, grow ergofungus to get the ergotamine tartrate for LSD and, and some other tryptamines. Then they could synthesize the chemicals biologically. Then they could apply the, the chemicals in uh, in the neuropharmacology to see what they do physiologically. But then they could also use them in talk therapy and psychology. And so you could have one institute, one campus where there's an alpha to omega and end to, you know, beginning to end. Um, uh, cross-platform, cross-interdisciplinary uh, uh, a, a take on psychedelics so you get a much fuller picture, much fuller 360 picture. 
then you take their information and, and their patents and you go eat some mushrooms and, and heal your brain. Interesting. Interesting. Um, we do have Brandon uh, from the clubhouse audience. Brandon, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, man, uh, I've got a uh, great news. Obviously, Missouri just put a record on last Friday. Uh, and so it's just opening a lot more opportunities. And I spoke with one of the largest hospitals dealing with children's care in the city that are actually allowing nurses to come in and start training the staff and to allow us to uh, present in May at, during research month uh, to all those trying to get clinical trial approved through the hospital as well. So things are changing here in Missouri for the better as well as far as that goes. Interesting. But now this, this, this is in regards with cannabis you're talking about, though, right, Brandon? Not with, not with mushrooms? Correct. My bad, Jason. Yes, cannabis. No worries. Just want to just make sure, make sure that we're, you know what I'm saying, keeping everybody up to date on the actual real and not the fake stuff. Not the Delta 8 news. Or Delta 10. <laughs> yeah, so you guys uh, you guys familiar with Michio Kaku and Neil Tyson, right? No. Hold on, tell us. Tell us okay, about so, us. So they're physicists, and you'll see them on like Joe Rogan or whatever podcast you like to watch, and they're always... So they're still alive. And Yeah, anytime psychedelics are mentioned, they're like, oh, I don't want to hurt my incredibly smart science brain. Um, but if you look at the if you look at the research coming out of if you look at the research coming out of Johns Hopkins University, um, they've been doing psilocybin trials with with cancer patients, and instead of uh, uh, for a variety of reasons, but one of the things they've been doing is putting them in an MRI while they're actually high on psilocybin, and they find greater neuronal connectivity. That means all your neurons where your thoughts are formed and when your thinking process is formed gain greater connectivity, which is why you have more insights and more facility for linguistics and, and, and thinking. They also found that neurogenesis happened. And what neurogenesis is, is the actual regrowth of neurons, which was up until, you know, a couple decades ago, thought to be completely impossible. And, and so when you take these substances that so many people are afraid, you know, of the toxicity or maybe I'm going to go crazy and ruin my brain, what's actually happening is they're healing you. They're connecting you to nature and this thing bigger than yourself and letting you see outside your ego. But they're also actually physically healing your brain and that's peer-reviewed scientific research that you can find from going to maps.org maps.org well then i know why this being suppressed matthew because there's not money in a cure no and that's why they were saying intellectual property intellectual property means not mushrooms because mushrooms yeah. are patentable what's patentable is if i take a, a psilocin molecule and then i add like an oxygen and a carbon group now it's got a unique now it's got a unique shape and i can patent that and i can sell it to you for a lot of money mm-hmm yep. yeah it's, it's one of the biggest things we have to think is psychedelics are going to get past this whole for-profit motive because the, for, the for-profit motive causes trademarking and patent registering and copyright and all of these things that are really deleterious to the human race where we all should be as people is we should be confident in our, posi- in our, in our, in our creativity and our generativity and, and create and give away and, and, and count on the world to rise up to meet us. This, this, this constant grabbing on and holding on to creates all of these problems and all of these pinch points that we like we need to get off oil but the people make money on oil so we can't get off oil we got to get off imperial hegemony and murdering people for their shit and and you know people make money from that so we can't get off of that And the biggest thing we need to do is just realize like man if we just relax and realize everybody's a family we can maybe put some of the weapons down and we can work on helping each other and feeding each other mm-hmm. and peace on earth might dawn yeah. peace on earth and on that on note earth. I mean, hold on. I have have a question. I have a question. So, so um, Gretchen, because of her red hair, has a higher tolerance to all things. So now, does that work with mushrooms too? I wish it were higher to you, Jason. Let's find out. Let's find out. (laughs) Gretchen, have you ever have you ever taken mushrooms, Gretchen? 
Have you ever taken mushrooms, Gretchen? I, I have not. Why I not? I have not dabbled in the psychedelics. Uh, you need to come out here and visit You've never us. been a fun girl. No, I've never oh. been a fun girl. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what would happen. I wonder if she could. You know, I bet you a hundred dollars that they would work. You bet a hundred dollars that they would. Let me get that hundred bucks back for you, Jason. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> He's more of a fan. Do you want to take him up on that, Gretchen? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say that it wouldn't work <laughs> because people ask me this all the time because I can't get high, but I can get drunk. I mean, it's not no. like my brain is impervious to stuff. Um, I don't do well yet. with anesthesia, but they can put me under. I just don't stay under very long. So yeah, I have another girlfriend who has an incredibly high tolerance to literally everything. Nothing works on her. Not mushrooms. Not LSD. Not ayahuasca. Ayahuasca didn't work on her. Get out of here! Where to God? No so way! Did she throw up? Didn't work. Did she throw up? No. Was wow. it, uh, was, was, was it ayahuasca? ayahuasca? And they finally just said, we give up. You can't take any more. Maybe it's some boof. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was boof. Maybe no, it was like. It was on a ceremony, like literally like a retreat, went with a whole bunch of other people, and it worked for them. Mm. They gave that that the, happens the particularly with ayahuasca, but I've also with. I've watched her. I've taken mushrooms with her, and she's eaten an entire, like, eight by herself, and it didn't work. Is she I've already enlightened? Yeah. Maybe the maybe 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 you know they say the medicine has a mind of its own, and maybe they were like, she's not ready for this yet. She ain't ready. Medication doesn't work on her either, just like Gretchen. So I think that Gretchen might be one of those super people or whatever. I have a theory that you have a theory? somewhere in your your genetic background, Gretchen, I bet you there was a very very wise medicine woman, and she made your family immune to many things. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe I do have, I do have witches in my background. Uh, which has been um, documented for oh is it just like the Mayflower roots you got papers yeah. on that oh I got yeah. papers on the Salem witch trials yes I do uh, oh, and my man, lady survived it so it's did possible she? they yeah, passed lady. it on yes did they throw her in the fire no that's not how they did it in Scarlet Salem witch. oh my god Jesus. anyway I, I will be I will be willing to take up the challenge though with Matthew Saint Germain at the helm I will try Yes. Oh yeah. Oh man. You know what, Gretchen? I'm going to text you over some pictures of what of what his magic tea brew looks like when he bakes go. up a big old crock pot of it. Oh man, <laughs> and, just looks like a with, whole bunch of fun. And with Saint Jerry Jesus Garcia. As, no, that's Jerry Garcia, bro. The real oh, saint. God. With Saint Jerry Garcia oh, as our co-pilot. Here we go. Oh man. <laughs> Let's do this. All yeah. right. Man. Thanks all. All right, thank you all for tuning in for yet another episode of High at Nine News. Catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and High Noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to the live audience members and online supporters giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted industry correspondent team from all over the global community bringing us variety perspective and adding your expertise and opinions to the conversation as well. The High at Nine production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and Zsa Simone holding things down over in Clubhouse. Keep it up. AV struggles to an absolute minimum. And they're getting better day by day. I just tell y'all what. And to the haters, get a job or go watch a little Pornhub. Either way, tomorrow will be a better day. I promise. <laughs> and finally, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason we show up to read these headlines daily. Nothing but love and affection going out to Mama Wana. It's Monday, February 6, 2023. The show is over and you've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough 
to smoke on at least until tomorrow. Y'all know who it is. Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street, signing off. And remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Take us out, Adam. Let's go.